This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to your new Media Week television podcast. Joining us as always, Andrew Mercado. Welcome back, Andrew. Hello, James. Uh, good to be talking with you again. We're in uh, different places if um, the audio sounds a little bit uh, strange, but if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you're probably used to all sorts of um, <laughs> All sorts of stuff. Lots to talk about, Andrew. Again, it's been a few weeks since we've uh, been able to catch up. I thought I might start at the Nine Upfront, yep. which they are first of the major networks to roll out what they're doing next year. Um, put on a big show in Sydney last week as uh, we record this. Did you get a chance to look over much of uh, what they announced? Gosh, of course. And my <laughs> phone ran hot. Uh, on the heels of the announcement that Sea Change was coming back, you know, many radio stations across the, across Australia leapt on that. And it's interesting, James, because one of uh, one person said to me, "Do you think people will remember the show twenty years later?" And I was like, "Are you kidding me? Mm. It's like that word Sea Change has it's become a, a word that has seeped into the Australian language." Everybody knows, you know, anybody that leaves uh, the city and goes somewhere else, like I've done, everybody's been saying to me, oh, you're on a sea change, <laughs> aren't you? So if everybody understands what the word means, then yes, when that show comes back, a lot of people are going to remember it. That in itself is going to put some pretty unreal expectations on it, though, isn't it, I think? Well, I suppose so. But, you know, it's uh, they've got uh, two of the main cast back. Sigrid Thornton and John Howard, and her character was falling pregnant to Sean McAuliffe in the season finale 18 years ago. So uh, with him working for nine on Talking About Your Generation, you'd think they'd be able to get him to make another appearance, don't you? You would think so, yeah. Sigrid Thornton and John Howard, uh, they were both at the announcement. They both looked pretty good, I thought, too, because um, it's been a while since they've uh, had sort of major leading roles, particularly Sigrid, I guess, on television. She's doing a great job on Wentworth, though, James, don't forget. Of course, yes. Yep. Yeah, yep, yeah. It's, it's John that hasn't been on TV for a few years. Uh, but, you know, his character, Bob Jelly, was just so hilarious. And uh, I can't wait to see where he is in that town 20 years later. Still wheeling and dealing, one would presume. Yeah. I think nine are going to be either doing, uh, it'll be a relatively short run. I think it'll be either 10 or 12 episodes. They're not yep. starting filming until next year, so it'll be well into the back half of 2019, I think. And one assumes filming in exactly the same place. Is it Barwon Heads in Victoria? Well, they've yet to confirm that. They still say they're still working out where they will be going, but you would think there'd be at least some exteriors shot down there, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got to keep... If they're going to bring it back after uh, all this time, you've got to make sure that it looks the way that we remember it looks. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully they've locked down that location because they'd be crazy to try and recreate it somewhere else. Yeah, it might be a little bit hard to sell uh, Pearl Bay in a different location, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. They've they've got some of the original creatives on board, of course, too. Um, creator and head writer Deb Cox is going to be there, uh, along with Fiona Egger. And um, David Mott is involved, the former Network 10 uh, chief program, of course, is running ITV Studios these days. ITV's link with it is they have the rights to the um, 
the Granada product, and it might have even been, was it Artist Services way back then, or might it, it was probably Granada by that time, was it? That does ring a bell with me, Artist Services, but don't quote me on it. Yeah, well, Artist Services, I think, became Granada, then Granada right. became ITV Studios, so yeah, they, they had the IP for it. Yeah, so it'd be really interesting to see how it goes. And look, everybody you speak to thinks it's, uh, it's going to be a pretty good idea. Oh, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Now, James, what did they say about their new drama? Is it Bad Mothers? Yes, Bad Mothers. Um, look, pretty good. It actually only started filming a fortnight ago, and they right. showed quite a bit from that first week's filming, which was quite unusual because, you know, they're usually really careful about letting out um, content or or sort of excerpts until they've done quite a lot of work, but but they were happy to put up some stuff they'd done for their first week. And it, uh, wow. I've got to say, it looked uh, looked really good. It's, um, okay, that's good. It's a, a jungle entertainment production, and gee whiz, they're, they're having a great um, couple of years. They're getting a real lot of um, commissions from um, lots of networks. The cast, um, Bad Mother, sounds good. Mandy McElhaney. Um, yes. Uh, Daniel McPherson. Uh, coming, yep. coming back to Oz TV, Don Haney. I think everybody wants Don Haney in their shows, <laughs> don't they? Yeah. Um, Jessica Tovey um, and Melissa George um, back in a, a local Replacing series. Jessica Marai at the last minute. Yeah, correct. That's, it's a pretty good replacement, isn't it? How much of the footage that you saw um, referred to a murder? Because the synopsis of the show is um, they're bad mothers because they're all tied up in some murder. Yeah, now you're testing my memory. They, um, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't think they. There was nothing specific. Like no plot line was. I don't think followed. It was just, just some real random excerpts. I think from that right. that week's filming. Okay. Um, but there, that was the only two dramas, if I uh, remember correctly. I think wasn't it. Well, they reeked, did they not announce yeah, well, yeah. Uh, fourth Dr. season Doctors, to Dr. Doctor? Yeah, Dr. Doctor's back. And they had Which the, Don the Honey uh, was, uh, appeared in the end of. Looks like he is possibly, he, they were kind of setting him up as a new romantic interest for Mandy McElhinney's sister, who okay. uh, stars in Dr. Doctor, yeah. Yep, yep. Okay, well, that'll be interesting. Uh, a few other announcements. Uh, they've got a new um, vehicle for uh, Hamish Blake. Uh, well, a couple, actually. He's going to be yeah. the host of Lego Masters, which is a format they announced earlier this year, which will sort of, I think, get get experts at building Lego um, to compete against each other, which doesn't sound that exciting. But if you put Hamish Blake in there, it just takes on another, um, you know, I think it could be attract a lot more uh, viewers than otherwise would be the case. Okay. And, hey, you don't sound too impressed. Well, it, it just worries me. Look, I, I do think that there's an audience for a show about Lego. Mm. Um, but, you know, it skews very, I don't know, a little girls into Lego the way that boys are. Uh, it just strikes me that it's uh, that it, it could be a little bit niche. And, but then I don't know the format. Maybe the format is one of those, you know, when we, you know we all laughed at the fact that MasterChef was going to become a thing. but And then when it came out, they they turned it into such a huge thing, we're all on board. Obviously, they've got plans with this Lego show that extend way and beyond what you and I think about Lego. Yeah, it's got sort of family viewing written all over it. And um, I think it could do well. It's probably not going to be a Ninja Warrior. No. But um, 
I'm certainly not going to predict what it will do. Who knows? But uh, Hamish will be back with partner Andy in Hamish and Andy's Perfect Holiday. Right. Which will be a bit like their um, the, the trips they used to do around Australia when they were doing um, filming them, uh, doing the audio for, for right their drive radio show as well as filming it for it was Network 10 it started on, then they, they moved to uh, 9, of course. Yeah. So that means there's going to be no true story in 2019. Nine says it hasn't been cancelled, but they're giving it a rest. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, well, look, there's nothing wrong with giving it a rest, but, yeah, they'd be mad to cancel it when, you know, that, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I still think has a lot of life in it, don't you? Yeah, but the numbers were, ooh, they were well down, dare I say, yeah, nearly half they... what they did in year one. But they also moved the time slot, well, yeah. James. Yeah, you know, we've... they had a show that was absolutely going through the roof at 7.30 and then they stick it on after the block and stick a repeat on afterwards and yeah. then go, oh, gee, the ratings are <laughs> down. Well, hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. We've talked about that before, haven't we? They dragged it out of, I think, 7.30 Monday. Yeah. It went to um, 8.30, 9 o'clock various times on a Tuesday and certainly that's going to hurt the numbers. For what it was doing, they were good numbers for that time of night on a Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, I sure. suppose they were, yeah. Uh, Nine's got some real crime. Um, Mark Llewellyn's returning to Nine, I think a former head of uh, News and Current Affairs at Nine, left in a cloud of controversy, I think, back when... Yes, he did. Eddie did he McGuire. not leave in the, the controversy about the boning incident? Yep, I think it was all that. Whoa, um, that's right. Back when I think Eddie Maguire was running the network. <laughs> yeah, fairly, right, that, that was nearly 10 years ago. Fairly tumultuous times. He ended up at seven... He did uh, great work on Sunday night, left that under a little bit of a cloud of controversy too. Then he did some real crime for Seven with Michael Usher, right. which, uh, which went pretty well. He did the In Excess doco towards the, was it the end of last year already? I've got a feeling it was. Yeah, it but, was actually. Yeah. It definitely was, yeah. Yeah, it didn't really do that well. It was, uh, I mean, they, they promised to reveal a new song and all sorts of stuff, and, yeah, the audience didn't really take to that. But his uh, new one is called Murder, Lies and Alibis. Right. Um, they're promising they will be unearthing chilling footage and audio. Mm, okay. Um, there's a lot of real crime on TV everywhere, isn't there? It's all over podcasts. Oh, it's all is. over it's, Netflix. Oh, yeah, it's, just... it's all over websites. I mean, News Corp's yeah. got their own real crime sort of mini site within... Um, all their metro newspaper brands. I mean, even the ABC's into it with that yep. three-part Kelly Lane special. I noticed they've got a new one now called Baron Joey Road starting, yep. where they look into the disappearance and an unsolved murder case. Uh, there's just so much of it around, and I can't think that, you know, it sounds, it sounds interesting, but is it just going to end up playing after Sunday night? I mean, Sunday night on 7 and 9, it's just there. It, it goes reality their current affairs show, and then just crime, 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 crime till whatever time you go to bed. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the things. I got to talk to uh, Hugh Marks uh, briefly at the nine up front, and I asked about that, you know, with networks seem to be going, spending a lot of money at 7.30, and then, you know, come nine o'clock, they shut up shop almost, don't they? With yeah. just running, you know, imported either real crime or maybe an old old movie, some reality TV that's imported, or maybe if there's local content, they might be repeats. And he said, look, their ideal would be to have a new, a new, an Australian produced program every night, 
between 8.30 and 9 o'clock after that 7.30 franchise ends. So whether okay. that, whether that Fingers happens. Fingers crossed. Or, yeah. I'd be, up, I'd be up for that. But otherwise, all their 7.30 franchises are returning next year, yep. including Family Food Fight, which I said to uh, Hugh Marks, I said, look, in other years – that might have show might have been binned and you'd try something else and he so that's probably fair comment but we've we've tweaked the format significantly and they think it's worth another try this year. Okay, yeah, because well, well, it starts next week on TV, doesn't it? It does. It, kinda, yeah. it goes up against Pride and Prejudice on Seven, which is kind of. I mean, this is kind of the type of year that. That this was always the type of year that the networks were running out of new shows, but at least uh, they, they're going. It's like they're still going to be in the race all the way through to the end of November when our summer ratings begins. Yeah, uh, one of nine didn't talk a lot about imported US content, but they've got New Amsterdam, which is one of the um, thought to be one of the better shows out of the US this year. Right, it's a uh, medical drama, um, and that's also going to be available on Nine now because um, they've talked about spending a little bit of money on new content for Nine now for um, yep. for over the summer. They've got the uh, tennis, of course. Much of their upfront was a lot of their, a real lot of their upfront was spent talking about the tennis coming right. in January. Wow, yep. Um, understandably, they're pretty excited about it. Of course, they paid a lot of money. And they explained how it really gives you the biggest ratings hit of anything all year, and they – Explain that by saying you've got, what, 14 consecutive nights yep. of massive big audiences, which nothing else gives you to, to A, to, you know, sell advertising in, and then it also promotes the rest of their schedule. Totally. It's that wonderful opportunity to promote the new year. Sure. And they really think that uh, Married at First Sight could really benefit from that next year because that's what they'll be kicking off with as soon as the tennis finishes. So now, inter- quite often, James, after these upfronts, the promos they make for the upfronts, they start airing them straight away on TV. Have you noticed anything on Channel 9 yet? Um, Any ads for Married at First Sight or these new dramas yet? I haven't. No, no. But then I I must admit I've been been flat out not watching a lot of live-to-air TV for the past few days. Yeah, yeah. I think think they'd be wise to just wait a little while. Yeah. Because we're going to see... You get really sick of those promos by the time uh, the, the show actually starts in February next year. Yeah, I mean, that's what we always used to ask Seven, and we said, used to say, Look, are you sure you're not overdoing it with uh, <laughs> my kitchen rules? And they said, well, yeah. well, look, maybe, but it, the results are that we're not, you know. The the yeah. audience has been huge. For, well, it must be nearly, was it eight, nine seasons now? Yep. A, a ten next year. And, you know, it, it, it just works. People, the, the advertising works, sure. A lot of people might think it's too much, but, hey, you've got the airtime, you might as well use it. Yeah. Um, not a lot else, um, came out of the upfront. I don't think we, stuff we haven't mentioned. The, um, interesting that, um, Australian Ninja Warrior, one of the, um, hosting team, Freddie Flintoff, has also got a job as one of the new presenters on Top Gear. Amazing, hey? Yeah, yeah. So he'll be, uh, turning up on screen in 2019. There's one more a British series with um, oh, who's the guy from Matt France? LeBlanc? Matt LeBlanc, that's right. Yeah, he's, he's got one more series to go before he finishes. Then they've got a new hosting team with only one um, one announcer remaining from the from the old season. 
which is uh, Chris Harris. Right. I quite, I quite like the uh, current season of, um, of the current lineup on Top Gear, which is uh, Chris Harris, uh, Matt LeBlanc, and yep. R- Rory Reed. Okay. So two of them are going. Rory's going, but he's going to stay with the spin off franchise, I think, which is called Extra Gear. So, right. So, <laughs> so he will be there. And the new guys are Paddy McGuinness, which I'm not that familiar with, but he's a UK comedian. Yep. And uh, Freddie Flintoff, of course, who Australian viewers know, was the guy who um, speaks, to, speaks to the contestants and the family on the sidelines side of Ninja Warrior as it's uh, going through. And also won the first ever series of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here Australia. Uh, correct, he did, yes. Yep, yep. absolutely. Uh, so that's going on. Now, there's a couple of things that are uh, relatively new on air. Now, I think you spoke a little bit about Blind Date last podcast, but it yet to be being broadcast, I think. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think we'd only seen the promos. I certainly hadn't uh, seen an episode till I, I watched the preview over the few days beforehand. Yeah, it's certainly been. I think it's fair to say it's sort of been underperforming, hasn't it? In yeah, the, in the it kind of has. It, look, it just, I really wanted to like it, James. I really thought of all those types of shows this would be the one that uh, I would really get into. But, you know, I guess, I don't know, maybe I feel a bit like I'm really used to seeing Julia Morris with Dr Chris Brown now and I'm a celebrity. Mm. And, like, the two of them together, I could watch them all night long. They're so fantastic. But, you know, Julia on her own in that format, it just, again... There's something going on with these shows that's coming across as really fake. It's been brought up about Game of, Go- Game of Games with, con- with people watching the show saying, why are the contestants so over the top? And then you watch Blind Date and you think to yourself, well, this has all clearly been thought out and rehearsed in advance. All those contestants uh, are giving answers that are kind of pre-written one-liners. Mm. And it just didn't come across as uh, off the cuff. It's all coming across as 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 fake to me. Is it, is it just me, or what do you think? Yeah, no, I think you're right. It just doesn't seem authentic, does it? No, it's, that's um, the word I'm looking for. It's not authentic. Yeah, it's almost. It's, uh, I don't know if this is too harsh, but it's got the feeling of being daytime TV. It's been jammed into a prime time. Do you think? Well, I also think, too, that whoever are making these shows, it's, I don't know, are they under so much pressure to make it work? They're trying so hard to make it funny and make it outrageous, and that's what's making it come across as too much of everything. Nothing's being given a chance to breathe. No one's being allowed to be natural. It feels mm. like everyone in the audience and all the contestants are being coached on how to behave. And it's not coming across as authentic at all for me on either of those shows. Yeah, particularly if you watch Game of Games, the audience and the contestants are just oh. hyped to the max as if they've all been on on Red Cordial for two hours yeah. before they start the cameras, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And also, let's talk about running time to James. Mm-hmm. Game of Games goes for 90 minutes. Yeah. Blind Date goes for an hour. We've all been used to what perfect match at 30 minutes was just perfect, wasn't it? In and out. 
uh, and that and that was a daytime show. And Game of Games, do we really need to spend ninety minutes watching that? That should be a sixty-minute format. It just seems way too much to be making that show go for an hour and a half. Yeah, well, the answer from the audience so far is uh, no, they don't want to watch it because the um, yeah the numbers. Yeah. And I feel I feel so bad for Tim because they're trying, but you know, it, less is more. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. Yep, for sure. But, um, I don't know what that means. For, is it going to be Sunday night takeaway that's coming next year? Well, I still say that Sunday night takeaway has potential because of the chemistry between Julia Morris and Chris Brown. And plus, if they follow it straight on from Africa, because once, once those two get in the studio and start it, they just start to spark off each other. So don't wait six months to bring out Sunday night takeaway while they're hot and while that's working. Put them into a new format, a new show, and I still hold high hopes for that. And of course, Dr. Chris Brown's perfect antidote for um, overhype, isn't he? He just is very deadpan, and he he refuses to get sort of uh, wound up, and he's a he's a great counterbalance to uh, Julia Morris's sort of zesty um, yes. personality, isn't he? Yes, absolutely. Um, so that was the the nine up front. We should mention seven is going to be uh, this Friday. Ten follows on Wednesday of next week, depending on when you're right. listening to that. So I think it's uh, the last Friday in October will be sevens up front, and tens I think is October sort of thirty-one or one, whatever that uh, Wednesday is next week. Right. Just a few days okay. later than sevens. So um, yeah, we're, we're expecting. I think sevens got the. Um, Ability to make quite a few changes because their back half hasn't worked that well no. again this year. Um, the uh, Julia, um, oh, what's the show? The um, the singing Julia show. Julia Zemiro, all together Julia now. Julia all together now. The one hundred is um, has been dipping every week, but it's still healthier than a lot of the other new formats they've had. Oh, absolutely! It's doing way better than Take yeah. Me Out. It's doing yeah. way better than Dance Boss, and Actually, it's doing pretty damn good when you consider that it's up against the Sunday night edition of The Block. Um, and I actually like All Together Now. I actually think that there's a, a sweetness to it uh, that actually works. Um, and, uh, yeah, compared to some of the others, some of the other new shows that have been tried this year, it, it, it's doing better than a lot of the others. So I would suspect it's going to be back. Yeah, you're right. Given the performance of some of the others, it'd be no surprise at all if that was recommissioned for another year. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing that uh, Andrew Denton's interview might be back too because he didn't do spectacular numbers, but I saw him turn up at the um, at the telethon in Perth on the weekend, which, which is a, a fest for all seven personalities. And I thought, well, if he's over there, he's still part of the family. Right. Okay, great. Mm. So watch out for that one. Um so you mentioned before the block uh, wraps just a few days after we uh, record this podcast. Another fantastic season. Be really interesting to see how the uh, units perform at auction on the weekend. And one of the units, of course, has been given away to a viewer, which is pretty amazing. That's amazing. Mm. The only catch is you have to buy the uh, block monopoly board game. <laughs> yep. But... 
I think the odds are pretty good because it's going to be, you know, probably at least a couple of million dollars worth of apartment. Yeah. And uh, I think to get in a lottery for that sort of win, it's your odds are pretty, are pretty um, long, but I think the number of people who buy this board game shortens those odds pretty dramatically. I would call that a brilliant uh, promotion. Everything cross-promotes each other, and what a way to make a new... Because it seems like there's a collector's edition for Monopoly for everything these days. Yeah, there does. Uh, personally, I still have my Coronation Street Monopoly board game there. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I, th- I think it's really brilliant marketing. Yeah. Well, a little disclaimer, I got my hands on a... Um, they had some giveaways at the Nine Up front, and one of them was the block board game. So I was lucky enough to get it, and I just thought, I'll just check with Nine. Is it okay if, if you know, somebody from the media entered uh, as a competitor? And they said, yes, no problem. So, well, wow, um, good luck, good so, luck. <laughs> I'll be putting my entry in, but if you work for Nine, apparently you can't enter. But if you're at that arm's length distance, um, you've got a chance. Right. Um. Have you been paying attention? Is um, announced just uh, overnight that they've done a format deal with CBS. Fantastic to go global, which is a uh, good news for them. It comes at the uh, close to the end of what's been a really big year for the show. The little show that could. It's <laughs> just amazing that it's just you know quietly chugged along there on a tough night Monday night up against the major competition, uh, and uh, yeah. So good, so great. Working dog, uh, congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. Such a likeable show, James. And someone said to me recently that the show reminded them of uh, Blankety Blanks from the 70s because it was obvious that when you watch the show, everyone on the show uh, liked each other, enjoyed each other's company, and that sort of friendly rivalry of trying to outwit each other comes across as really good-natured, good-intentioned fun, even though they're sometimes slamming each other, but all in the nicest possible way. And I think there's a lot in that. It, it does have that feel of uh, you're hanging out on Monday night with uh, a group of uh, really nice, funny, smart people. And again, there's a complete absence of hype. I mean, look at host Tom Gleiston, what a great job he does. And he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there couldn't be a, you know, sort of a more reserved host on TV and he's He'd have to be one of the highest rating hosts on Australian TV. Well, he doesn't have to do dance moves like <laughs> Grant Denyer does on Game of Games, does he? <laughs> no, absolutely. There's a bit of a history with um, Working Dog, of course. I've had a few format deals over the years. They, yep. they um, licensed off Thank God You're Here, which was be up there as one of their biggest hits, I think. It started on 10, I think, then rather famously was poached by 7. Yep. I think they only had one season on 7, though, it, didn't uh, run for a whole lot longer no, after it, it didn't. went there. And the panel had a few formats too, and I thought they were joking with me because I, I couldn't remember, but it, there was a series in Ireland and they actually had a season in Afghanistan. They got a, a local version of the panel in Afghanistan. <laughs> Amazing. And they assured me that wasn't a gag. Um, a few new things around. Have you been um, streaming much? Netflix have had some really interesting stuff come up in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, they really have. And I've been trying to look, I still have, I have this list of shows that I'm trying to get through. Uh, and it's almost stressing me out. And I thought the last thing I need to do is have something new to watch, but you kind of got to keep abreast of things, James. And so I have been, um, 
poking around. Of course, I've found all these new series to add to my list to stress me out even more as to when am I going to find time to watch them all. Okay, okay. Have you seen Wonderlust? Yes, yes. I really wanted to watch this one because it was... uh, The BBC made it um, outside of the UK. It's a Netflix series. Tony Collette stars in it. There was a lot of fuss when it went to air in the UK because they're not real good with uh, talking about sex, depictions (laughs) of sex. They still get quite shocked about things like that on TV. And, you know, I think Tony Collette made some statement that she's the first person to have masturbated on British TV. It's like, "Mm, I'm not too sure about that. But anyway, (laughs) uh, I did check the show out and it is pretty raunchy, but it's also, you know, incredibly well acted. And uh, it's about Tony Collette, husband and wife, marriage going stale. They've got two teenage kids and uh, they decide, uh, they kind of fall into this uh, situation where they find what spices up their sex life. I don't want to give away too much, um, but I thought that she was really, really strong in it. And uh, I'm two episodes into it and I will be watching it to the end. Yeah, look, I've I've seen the first episode. I just, I, I couldn't have loved it more. It was just brilliant, I thought. It was so good. It is raunchy, but in a sort of very British sort of way, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nothing. You don't see anything graphic. No. It's, but, you know, but there's actually a line in it where the characters say, oh, you know, we're, 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 us, us British people aren't really good about talking about this sort of stuff. And it really does sum up uh, some of the reaction to the show. You know, it, it is uh, – they aren't overly uh, – revealing in this area, certainly not the way that some American shows and people are. So uh, in that sense, uh, yeah, very, very uh, fascinating to watch. And I've got to say, I think this is one of Tony Collette's best ever roles. You know? Me too. She's just, Me too. She's I... just so good in this. Yeah, and, and sometimes uh, if with everyone used to rave about her you're in the United States of Tara, and for me, uh, some of those roles, it felt a little bit overacting to me, but yeah. I, she absolutely nails it in Wonderlust. You're, you're with her all the way. Yeah, look, I've got to say, there's not a lot of stuff on TV that I've felt compelled to watch that she's been in in the past. Yeah. But, but this one, I'll be there. There's only six episodes. I'll be there all the way. And I, I would imagine they'll smash out some more next year because this is just brilliant. Uh, Tony plays the yeah, therapist. She's just hilarious. Um, the, the people she has in her... Um, she sort of got her um, was her room set up in the in the sort of what do you call it a granny flat at the back of her property. Yeah, she yeah. sees clients there, and but she gives plenty of free advice too to to neighbours and and family who sort of seek her out, and it's almost she's in a sort of another uh, session for free, yes. free as it were. She always seems to be um, very much in demand. A guy called Stephen McIntosh plays her her uh, husband, Alan. And uh, he's just fantastic too. And wait Very till good. you get to episode two, James, when you see Sophie Okanoto, okay. uh, who was in The Slap. Uh, she pops up in it, and uh, I don't want to spoil who she plays, but it's just perfect. All oh, right, okay. All right. Now, yeah, that's fantastic. And just we mentioning that too, it's not – there's a show coming to Prime Video with Julia Roberts called Homecoming. Yes. Now, it's, it's a little similarity in that so Roberts plays a caseworker right. help, helping soldiers transition back to civilian life. Is that right? Yeah, so there's a, there's a link to that. Then there's also a link to, if you like, coming up on Foxtel fighting season. There's sort of 
little bit of where that soldiers sort of transitioning back to life after, um, I think they're coming back from Afghanistan, aren't they? Yeah, Australian they are. Australian soldiers. So there's a little bit of similarity there too. It, it is. And I, and I wonder too, I, I also wonder, is it a coincidence that, it's, that fighting season is beginning this Sunday uh, straight after the Invictus Games? Uh, I don't know whether that was planned or that's uh, just fortuitous timing, but... Uh, I've watched the first episode and uh, it's, I'm, I'm pretty impressed by it because I think it's showing a side of army life uh, when they come back and are quite disturbed by their experience. And, and the guts of this one is you don't actually know what's going on there. They're all kind of, it's a little bit mysterious what has actually happened. There's more to it than meets the eye. Uh, some great performances in there from Jay Ryan and Kate Mulvaney and, uh, yeah, another strong effort uh, from Foxtel uh, making another great Australian drama to round out the year. Yeah, look, I agree completely. I've seen the first episode. I thought it was brilliant. I might have even seen the first two, I think. It's um, it's made for Foxtel by Goalpost Pitchers, uh, who've got a great track record. And, um, and written by Blake Ashford, who uh, wrote Devil's Playground for them. Okay, yep, yep. This was actually announced two years ago, this show, back, wow. in, back in November 2016. So it shows you how long it takes to get up a good drama. Yeah. Um, the, and I really wanted it for you and Leslie too. I'm a big fan of him. I think we've talked about him regularly yeah. on this podcast. There's. I was a bit surprised because can we give away the spoiler about his character? Uh, I mean, it happens right at the very start. Be. Okay. Yeah, I, I was surprised too because I thought I, I didn't realise it was going to be like that. Mm. No, same, same. But but you still get plenty of him. But there's just yeah. a, a little twist to it. So watch out for that early on. But that's um, coming to Foxtel, and they're going to be really pushing that out on their on-demand platform as well. Foxtel's all very much about on-demand these days. So um, so watch out for that. I, might th- I assume they're going to have all episodes up at once. I'm not sure about that. Well, that's a good question. I don't know. Will they follow that model of watch it week by week or binge it all straight away if you need to? Mm, mm, but look, sure. you know, it's really important for Foxtel. They've got their Foxtel originals now. Yes, they've got uh, HBO content, but, you know, it's also really important for them moving into the future uh, that they keep these Foxtel originals and that these uh, the, the, the original dramas they make are good. And you know what? They are good. They're better than most of the stuff that's being made for free-to-air TV in some cases. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Something else, an, an interesting drama that's not too far away now is a, a, a six-episode series called Bloom, which is being made by Playmaker for Stan. Yeah. Stan released some stills from the, I think they've just finished shooting. Is there, I don't think there's a trailer yet, but I'm certain that maybe there is, but they certainly, uh, it looks pretty good from the the stills I've seen. Uh, Jackie Weaver and Brian Brown. It's almost a little bit science fiction, I think, this one. Yeah, there's, and there's a bit of that going on at the moment, isn't there, James? I mean, we've got that uh, coming out for Stan. And they've just Netflix has just released the trailer for Tidelands, okay. which is the new uh, Australian series from Hoodlum Entertainment, yep. Yep. and it's about a coastal town and something slightly supernatural going on there. 
Um, I saw Peter O'Brien in the trailer, Phoebe Tonkin. So, yeah, you know, for so long a genre that we never did here in Australia, and now it feels like uh, kind of the streaming services and uh, Foxtel certainly are, and the ABC are embracing um, shows like Glitch and The Kettering Incident, and we're really uh, moving into this space because that stuff actually travels and sells really well overseas. Sure, sure. In in um, Bloom, Jackie Weaver plays a successful actress with Alzheimer's. Wow. And um, and there's characters playing the young Jackie Weaver and the young Brian Brown in it as well. So, um, and they're not necessarily flashbacks, I don't think. So that's... <laughs> wow. <laughs> so work that out if you can. But that uh, that looks really interesting, I must say. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you've been watching anything else we should mention? Um, yeah, I just watched uh, a, a very odd little one-off called My Dinner with Hervé, which uh, premieres on Showcase this Friday night. And it's about a journalist having dinner with Hervé Villachet, who was the uh, actor from The Man with the Golden Gun, and he also played Tattoo in Fantasy Island and, you know, famously said, the plan, the plan, <laughs> at the start of every episode. And Peter Dinklage plays Hervé, Jamie yeah. Dornan from Fifty Shades oh, of yeah. Grey plays the journalist. And th- this movie is very much about his uh, journey as well because he's, you know, is. Uh, his job is on the skids because of alcoholism and this is kind of a, a kind of a make or break interview for him. And the story then turns into, through flashbacks, uh, uh, tells the story of Hervé's life, which uh, if anyone remembers, uh, it's full of a lot of excess uh, there, especially when he was making a lot of money. And it's a, a very, uh, very kind of odd little piece. And then when it finishes... And you see the picture of the real-life journalist with him and then the credits roll and you realise that that guy wrote the show, produced the show, I think directed it as well. So uh, a very, very personal project uh, from him. And uh, in the cast, Andy Garcia plays Ricardo Montalban in Fantasy Island. And Australian actress Ashley Brewer plays uh, the actress that Hervé gets married to. She, Of course, she went. Ashley Brewer went from Neighbours to The Bold and the Beautiful and is now back here doing a six-month contract on Home and Away. Right. Uh, so uh, it's not a huge role for her, but she's in there as well. So my dinner with Hervé, how can we see that? Uh, Friday night on Showcase and then it'll be on Foxtel On Demand. All right, okay. Well, fantastic, fantastic. Now, and the uh, other show oh, I've been watching, James, is on Stan... The, it's called The Bisexual, uh, another raunchy British show here. And I started watching the first episode and I thought, oh, God, this is just so self-conscious and trying so hard to be outrageous. Uh, and then, of course, it finished and it was only half an hour episode, so I thought, oh, what the hell, I'll watch the second one. Yeah, I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's about uh, a lesbian couple and um, they run a kind of a really hip uh, company, uh, think interior design company, and then one of the girls decides, the other one's a bit too clingy, she decides that she wants to have a bit of a break 
and then she decides that maybe for the first time in her life she might start dating men and uh, off it goes. It's, uh, you know, quite out there, uh, but, uh, you know, really sort of interesting. Of course, it's uh, nearly Halloween too, Andrew, and I noticed today the um, charts, Media Week runs every week. We call it the on-demand charts, which a um, company called Parrot Analytics sort of runs a rule over what's being talked about on social media across yep. all different platforms, and horror has taken top spot. That's taken over. The American Horror Story is uh, back at number one in both Australia and New Zealand on the overall TV charts. And a new Netflix yep. offering called The Haunting of Hill House is yes, number indeed. one on the digital originals. Yeah, and there's a lot of press about The Haunting of Hill House. A lot of people are talking about how scary it gets towards the end. I've watched the first three episodes. I'm furious that I have to sit there and watch another seven hours of it on top of everything else. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those shows once you kind of get in there, you go, oh, my God, I've got to watch this through to the end. It has some really... uh there's, there's some disturbing moments just in the first three episodes. You know, people say they're crying and wanting to vomit by episode nine, so I can't wait. If it really disturbs me, then, hey, they've done well. Horror, you're right, James, horror's back in a huge way. Halloween is a huge hit at the American box mm. office. And I would call The Haunting of Hill House probably the buzziest uh, series, original series that Netflix has done maybe since, Stranger Things. It's certainly okay. uh, the the buzziest thing I've seen being talked about on Netflix all year. Yeah, is it scary the the, the episodes? Yeah, it's pretty creepy, James. It's about <laughs> um, it's about five kids and their parents living in this house that's clearly got something very uh, odd going on, and then it keeps flashing back to their lives today and their adults and their majorly messed up lives, which we we are assuming is because of what's happened to them in this house. Uh, yeah, it is creepy as all, you know what. <laughs> oh, I'm, I can't handle stuff. I'm going to, I want to watch it, but I'm going to have to watch it during the day, I think, it's, uh, with the with the everything open in the Because if I was sitting up late at night, just me and the dog, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I'd be having a panic attack, I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't watch a lot of TV during the day, so I often get stuck watching it late at night. Yes, uh, luckily, there's new episodes <laughs> of Will of Grace. If it gets too much for you, you go, I'll just watch one comedy before I go to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be looking out the windows and hearing things creaking and banging, and I'd be, <laughs> I'd be a nervous wreck. We should mention that uh, Foxtel's going all out for Halloween too. They've got a um, set up a special um, stream on demand on a, the what they call now Fox Showcase. They've got yep. special movies on Fox Flicks, and they've even got the Foxtel Kids app all fired up with uh, Halloween horror. So there's lots of movies, TV series, um, sort of whole box sets of different shows, including uh, Sharp Objects, which was on only recently, lots of American Horror Story, uh, True Blood, The Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead, Outcast, and uh, The X-Files. Yeah, look, I don't know that I'd really put sharp objects into Halloween scary movies, but I think it's a great thing that they do with this because this is, the, you know, getting dressed up in costumes and watching scary movies <laughs> are the two great Halloween traditions from America that we're taking on. And none of the free-to-air channels really go there. Uh, but I think we've seen now with kids and supermarkets selling costumes and trick-or-treat stuff for cheap price. It is something that kids are doing now, and people can complain about the Americanisation and it's not our tradition. But seriously, what's wrong 
with saying to kids, dress up and let, let's watch a scary movie. I think it's a great thing that we should adopt from America. And, uh, you know, at my cinema, I'm screening The House with a Clock on Its Wall <laughs> this weekend with Jack Black and Kate Blanchett. Okay. And it's a PG scary family movie. And I'm telling all the families, bring your kids along. We'll have a best dress competition. And, uh, you know, I, I love Halloween. I lived in North America and it was my favourite time of the year. And uh, it's just a bit of fun. And uh, I'm all for Australia taking it on board. Yeah, no, same. It is It is lots of fun. There's, It's nothing else really like it at all here, is there? No. That's no, good stuff. So yeah, I'm with you. Sharp objects doesn't really, but when you think about it, though, there there is some pretty you know bizarre moments. I'm think about that little doll's house in the um, which sort of creeped me out a bit every time somebody had a good look in there. And um, well, I've got to admit, James, I never stopped watching it. In fact, when I logged on to uh, Foxtel the other day to go, I, I need to watch a new episode of The Juice. Mm. I saw you need to continue watching Sharp Objects. And I kind of went, you know what, that's way down on my list at the moment. Oh, I've so you way didn't too many it. things. Okay. I never finished it. Yeah, no, there are certainly creepy moments in that. And right, okay. Towards the end, it is a little bit, um, yeah, yeah, just uh, gets, um, yeah, just just a little bit nervy and some of the stuff that goes on. Um, that's good. That's good, Andrew. It's um, I'm through, sort of through my list. Anything else there on, on yours? Well, the only other thing I would mention is uh, next week on E, the bi-life begins. The the world's first bisexual dating show hosted by an Australian, Courtney Act, who uh, was from Australian Idol. And Shane Jennick then went on to uh, go into Celebrity Big Brother and won it. And off the back of that, uh, in the UK, he's now hosting... The bi life with a whole bunch of it's sort of like live Love Island, but they're all bisexual. I mean, where is that going to go? Who knows? Uh, I haven't watched anything on E for years, not since Joan Rivers died and uh, mm. Fashion Police went down the Google. But yeah, I'll see if uh, it's on my app to watch. I'll, I've certainly got to check it out. Yeah, it's a great success story. What he's been able to do with his uh, career in the UK, isn't it? Amazing. I should also point out he uh, he was on RuPaul's Drag Race in between there as well. So yeah, he's. Uh, Known internationally. Yeah, fantastic. Look, I might just plug plug a couple of recent uh, podcasts I did. I had a bit of a chat to Greg Hadrick. Um, we both were very glowing about Pine Gap, I think, uh, last time we spoke. Yeah. Um, I've, I've really been enjoying that, and it was great hearing him talk about it, the gestation for the idea for the show, um, uh, them working with Netflix, how they built the amazing sets, uh, and how they recreated Pine Gap. It's all special yeah. effects, but it looks very, wow. very real and very good to me. And I love the way they've set up that sort of master control room in, that's supposed to be inside the Pine Gap base. It just yeah. looks fantastic. Yeah, it really does. It looks like it looks like the real thing, doesn't it? Oh, it, yeah, you for know, sure. It's fantastic. You know. Yep, yep, yep. That's really good. And also had a bit of a chat to Dom Knight, who's one of the founding members of the uh, Chaser. Yeah. We were basically talking, he's got a new book, he's uh, written a couple of books. This most recent one's Trumpedia, which is sort of an A to Z of all things Donald Trump. <laughs> right. It is so funny. It is such a good book. You would love it. Oh, there's, I can't wait. There's lots about Celebrity Apprentice and he just, just little, th- I couldn't help but read out a, a lot of it. And he goes through all the um, all the contestants and just his little jokes about all the different contestants that were went through uh, uh, Celebrity Apprentice and the years that Trump hosted. It's just fantastic. But there's, wow, there's how? A, 
Yeah, it's just a just a great little book. Yeah. And he also talked a bit about the chaser and you know how they were courted by commercial TV for a long time and they got pretty into some pretty serious talks with Nine about doing something for them but they were they just never got it across the line and he said in the back of his mind that he just thought you know uh, we're not the sort of um we're not the sort of comedy that they thought would thrive in that sort of Nine environment. They did a couple of things with Seven which sort of did okay, but he said, you know, the, the ABC has been the natural home for the chaser over the years. Yeah, I agree. Yep, yep. All righty. Well, that's good, Andrew. Look, let's try and – we'll try and catch up after um, after the seven and the ten up fronts. So, you know, we make rash promises we, we never keep, but perhaps in about a week's time, you know, ten days at, at the most, we might try and get together and have another – chat and just go through what uh, their plans are for 2019. James, we can do that because if the rumours are true that 10 are <laughs> going to rebrand 1 and 11 as Peach and something else, whatever mm. the other thing was, this rumour, well, I will have a lot to say about that. Yeah. It would be weird, wasn't it? Oh, Peach, thought, what are they thinking? Yeah, particularly 11. Those channels have pretty good viewing numbers. They, they do quite well, those two little channels. So, you know, it's you know, if they go and rebrand them, I don't know what that's going to going to mean to it. But yeah, but we all thought Seven Mate was a crazy name when it came up, and then <laughs> yeah, no one really thinks about it now, do they? I guess no, I suppose not. No. All right, Andrew Mercado, thank you very much. We'll speak Thanks, again soon. Thanks, James. All right, talk soon. <laughs>